Why choose this green church? I came to TGC because I saw a place where I could grow spiritually and I also saw people who were interested in my well-being in general. They weren't actually trying to force this, um, but it kind of made me stay because I could see that it was genuine. Um, TGC make me feel like this is my home. Like I feel old. I feel like I've always wanted a place where I can showcase myself, where I can be discriminated, where I can express how I feel exactly, and that is what CGV is all about. Everything we do is based on the word of God. You don't manipulate it to our own benefit. Like, you want things good, and that's what we're That's why I love you. There you have it. You have an insightful service. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for the week so far. We thank you for your love, for your strength, because you help us to keep going and to keep getting better. Thank you because in all those things, we are more than conquerors. We are conquerors because we have you and are loved by you, not by you know, our nation of birth or you know, the family we are born into. That will make us more than conquerors in all things is you know, our work with you, our knowing you. Thank you because we can go through life with you and get better and better and better. Thank you because we are called to reign in life and you have given us the tools, the grace we need to reign and we get better at deploying these tools. Tonight, oh God, we ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better. We pray that we'll know your purposes for us and for the church. And we understand better the parts we as individuals ought to play in it. We know, you know the, the eyes of our hearts is flooded with light so that we can know, so that we get to know better and better the hope to which we have been called. Our individual you know, callings and its hope and you know the hope of the calling to be a believer in Christ. That we know the riches of your glorious inheritance in us, your children, in us, your holy ones. That we understand the content of our inheritance, the content, you know, the, the, the package, you know, um, the entirety of the benefits of being saved and belonging to your family. That we know the exceedingly great power you know, the incomparably great power, incomparably great power towards us, for us who believe. That will begin to understand much more the power you have deployed in the believer. That we know that this power, you know, is like the working of your mighty strength. That you, that, that you in Christ exerted when you took him up from the dead and sat him at your right hand in heavenly places. That will begin, begin to understand uh, it is this power that took Christ up from the dead and sits him in a position of authority and power and strength far above all names, all, all rule, all dominion, authority. Uh, I begin to understand that, that this power that backs up your throne is a power, is a power available and at work in us. That I begin to understand, you know, how much we have been equipped for, equipped with to do life. 
that you know by by our you know by this sermon and, and you know and our work with you we understand that we are equipped to reign and we begin to take our place much more to reign that we understand that the church as individuals and as a collective we are the hope of the world and there's nothing like the church when the church is working working right that will grow in understanding that we see ourselves, you know, as the light of the world, as those responsible for the world in the name of Jesus, that will shine as light and will preserve, you know, and, um, and, and give the world, you know, flavor as salt of the earth in the name of Jesus. Thank you for all eloquence. Thank you for utterance. Because our hearts are ready and open to receive. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Glory to God. So today's um, topic, continuing from Sunday, um, we said, I, I think it's three on our church family. And um, today's, today's um, topic, I don't know how to title it yet, so, uh, but um, the idea is this, that by that which every joint supplies, the church is built up, all right? The church is built up by that which every joint supplies. All right. Glory to Jesus. Okay. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. 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 So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, yeah. the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the old body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So you said Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So Christ himself gave the five folds. So it means that the body of Christ needs it. Now, whatever Christ gave us, we really do need and should appreciate. All right? We must celebrate in every local church, in every, as, as a joint church, you know, as the joint general body of Christ, the five-fold ministry, okay? If God thought it wise to give us the church, then we must understand that we need the church. We need the church, and we need the five-folds, all right? So, so don't believe I should say, I can do life all by myself. I will call you a fraudulent liar, because you cannot, you cannot tell me that Christ, you know, made the mistake when he gave the five-folds to the body. And we also know, you know, that the five folds usually, you know, operate much more through, look, look, through local churches, you know, so that you cannot tell me, you know, uh, you know um, I'd, I'd have a local church, you know, but I'm blessed by, 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 the, by the apostolic ministry, prophetic ministry, pastoral ministry, and that kind of stuff. I'll tell you, you're a liar, okay? And I also, I also make, you know, make clear that as believers, we, we don't really grow and serve God well without being connected to a local church. That no matter how far you think you've gone in life, you know, in your faith work, in your, in your knowledge of God, 
you, I can promise you that you are not growing. You are not in the local church. I, I can promise you. You can, you can take this word to the bank. Okay? You can bet it anywhere. I tell it to your face. If you are not in a local church serving, serving God, you are not growing. You are not growing. Okay? If you are going to tell the truth, okay, you are not growing. I said on Sunday that I've been there before. I had a time where, you know, I took, I took a, a little a, a step back on church activities, you know, and I was um, doing online church, you know. Now, online church is not bad. It depends on your art, right? Your art, religiously, and where in the world you are, right? But me, I knew, Sha, the online church I was doing, Sha, was laziness and backsliding. Even though I would argue to form my wife, my wife would tell me, I'd be like, it's a lie, I'm busy, but I have no clinical, clinical. But in my heart of it, I knew I was backsliding. Okay, so be honest with yourself, okay, you need a church. You need not, you need not just to, not just to um, go to church, attend church. You need to be serving in church. You need to be serving in church. So, again, it shows where your heart is. When you are comfortable, you know, not, not, um, not being zealous for things of God is a symptom of a heart defect. All right? We always say, a hungry heart wants more. Like we say of a hungry child, a, 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 you know, a healthy appetite. A, a, a healthy appetite is that we know that someone is healthy. When, when someone is, um, is eating well, that's the word. When you are eating well, we know you are reasonable, especially for children, that they are healthy. But when a child be, 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 begins to, you know, withdraw from eating and all that, it's a symptom of, okay, is, is, is this child okay? We need, we need to go to a doctor or something like that. So also, when, when, when you are healthy, you desire to serve God. You desire to do, to do more for kingdom. It's an important sign of spiritual health. So when you get to a point where you are pulling back on, from work, from service, um, it's not a good place to be, and you should get yourself out of there pretty fast. Somebody will say, you know, people, people tell me this a lot, you know, that, um, yeah, I need some time and all that, I will come back and all that kind of stuff. But in my experience also, um, you don't do things because you feel like doing it. You do what you have to do. It's like saying that, telling your, telling your boss, you know, um, um, I'll be on top form. When, when, when I'm ready to be on top form, you know, when I'm ready, I'll be fine. You know, just give me some time. Not, not, not telling your boss, okay, maybe I need, I need a, a one-week break or a two-week break or more. Just telling him, you know, when, I, when I'm back in shape, I'll give my best. You know, you see how crazy it sounds. Well, how are we so comfortable to tell God these things? How are you okay to tell God that, okay, right now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not informed to really save you yet. I, I just, you know, just let... <sighs> We have to check, we have to actually check ourselves, okay? Check ourselves, okay? Um, you can, by doing what is right, help your heart. There are two ways to do this thing. You can, you can, wait, you can wait till you are fine, then start serving. Or you can push yourself, you know, by faith, okay? I, I know God. I love God. It is at my service, okay? Just do the right thing. Just do the right thing, okay? Because the church grows, you know, the body and temple of Christ grows by that which every joint supplies, so it means that we don't grow as effectively as we should if a part of the body is lacking. Do you understand this? That when anybody does not bring his or her supply, it limits our potential for growth. This is important, okay? So we have to um, be responsible for the growth of the church in general, and the local church. Imagine what is the hope of, of, of the church if every member is like you. Think about it. If every member of the local church you attend 
is like you. What is the hope of that church? Will they close that in two months? If every member of the universal church is like you, what is the hope of Christ on the earth? Is Christ in trouble? Or should you just come, just take where it's left and go? Because as we are going, it's not grow. Alright? So, um, these sermons are not meant to blackmail you or to put you under undue pressure. But again, we cannot act as though as though we shouldn't be pressured to save God. We should not act as though it's a kind of convenience of don't pressure me. Let me do my pace. Let me stop at my pace. Let me give at my pace. Let me work at my pace. It's I don't have to say a terrible word, but I just remember that I'm a pastor, I'm on the altar. So, uh, oh, another word for BS that is more spiritual. Okay, I already said it, you get my point. Okay, good. So, <laughs> you, you, cannot, you cannot give God that. Okay? The church did not get where it is today by convenience. People's blood have been spilled for the growth of the church. More blood will be spilled for the church. More people will die today, God forbid, but you get my point, in the north, in China, in Turkey, in North Korea, for the church. So we have to reject every appearance of comfort-based Christianity, where it is as it pleases me. That's not how it works. That is not how it works. God forbid it. That's not how it works. All right? Christ said, if you will be my disciple, he said, you pick up your cross and follow me. Not you will pick up your, your bowling. No, no, no. There's a cross to it. There is a weight attached to it. We must all be willing and ready to give this our best. Alright? No, Paul tells us. Paul tells pastors, as told Timothy, command them these things. Demand it. Teach them. You know why? Because sometimes, just like Timothy and the, in quotes, timid. It's easier because, yes, no, Paul was deliberately telling Timothy that, guy, yeah, you, you can be timid. You can be shy to say the truth, okay? But God has not given us timidity, but of, not of fear, but of power and of the sound mind. That power there, you know, power, boldness, doing what, do what needs to be done, giving the hard, difficult truth. So he told Timothy, command them these things. Who, the Macedonian church, they first gave themselves okay, to, to God and then to the apostles and then their resources followed. So when you know, your heart is you know, intact with God, it will show in your service to God your submission to your leadership, okay, and in your resources. So, um, you can tell where, where, where your art is in terms of your work with God by your commitment, your zeal, you know, to the work. All right? Awesome. Ephesians 1, 22. Ephesians 1, 22. Ephesians 1, 15 to 22. Ephesians 1, 15 to 22. Ephesians 1, 15, 22. Quickly, quickly, quickly. 
Just do 20, 20, 20, 2022. 2022. 20 to 22. Should be fine. Okay. Strengthen with might. Alright. Um, verse 20. He exerted... When Start from 19. And his incomparably great power for yeah. us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. All right, so he says that God appointed Christ to be head over all things for the church. He says the church is his body, okay? The fullness of him that fills everyone himself. So it is through the church that Christ fills the world with himself. It is through the church that the influence of God's kingdom is seen all over the world, okay? In, in your nation, in your city, in your industry, okay? The church, you know, is, is, um, is God's agency on the earth for all of God's agenda, so God's agenda on the earth, you know, is done through the church. We are responsible for the mission of Christ on the earth. And the church is not just the, not, not just, um, the universal church, you know, the local church, and also you as his child, his church, his body. So you should ask yourself, okay, if um, every child of God is like me, does Jesus have hope on the earth? If everyone behaves like me, is the kingdom of God in trouble? Okay. Will God's kingdom advance if every child of God acts the way I act, talks the way I talk, serves the way I serve, gives the way I give? Okay. So you can't just think that um, I can hide away while others do the job. You have been unfair. You have been a cheat. Okay. You have been a fraud. All right. We all need to come together to pull together, you know, and um, serve together. You are needed. Okay. So because the church is the arm through which God works on the earth, it means that God is limited by the church. It means that God can, you know, God can will to do things and be unable to do those things because, you know, of the church inability or refusal, you know, or ineffectiveness. So God is limited by your obedience, limited by your service. Okay? It is through the church, through us, that it saves and heals we are his body. We are his mighty outstretched arm. We are the move of God. So when we don't move, God cannot move. Alright? So God needs us to participate, to get involved, to serve, to give, to put in our best. Okay? Because God is limited on the earth to what man, the church, will do. Okay, so the church, as you see in Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, the church, okay, um, is built up by that which every joint supplies. So, you know, we grow, we get better, we are edified, we get our job done by that which every joint supplies. So it means, you know, the body, you know, don't forget the church is the body of Christ, okay? So, the body, you know, is a system that has many systems, so, you find that usually when a part of the body is disturbed, it affects every part of the body. So, for example, 
Um, I say, I like to use my one, use one finger to peel the other, fi- to peel the other finger. When I say when I'm thinking, I think like this a lot. Especially at home, alright? So, while doing this, I tend to uh, mistakenly cut some flesh from the side, sir. And if you become very uncomfortable, you'll be wondering how one tiny discomfort can affect your, can affect the entire body. You'll not be, you'll not, you'll not be missing when the pain was not there. So also it is, okay? When one part of the body, you know, it looks tiny, you, you think you don't matter, you think you're insignificant, you think your, your lack of action is not showing, but no. When one part of the body is faulty, is effective, is not working well, it affects the entire, entire body's effectiveness. Pain in one part, discomfort in one part, can ruin the entire body, can, can ruin the day for the entire body, can affect the entire body's productivity. Amen. So we need everyone functioning effectively. The church grows by that which everyone supplies. And we, am I deficient by that which everyone refuses to supply? So when you don't bring in your, 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 your gifts, your talents, your time, your commitment, we are deficient by that which you don't supply. We are deficient by that which we don't supply. Okay? We grow, but we grow together by what you supply. The body needs every part of the body. So also the church needs everyone functioning. First Corinthians 12. First Corinthians 12. First Corinthians 12. First Corinthians 12. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit made for the common good. Please pause there. So it says to each one of us, okay, God manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So, to each of us, the gifts, the workings of, of, of the Spirit is given. Now, not just for your personal edification alone, but for the common good. Meaning that when everyone brings it to our supply, the body as a, as a whole is benefited, okay? So, also, when you hold back on your gifts, hold back on your supply, hold back on your grace, it tells on the entire body, okay? It is given to each one of us for the, for the benefit of the entire body, for the benefit of all. So, we need every every part of the church working effectively. Not just in spiritual gifts alone, but in your secular talent, your abilities, you know, your time, your commitment We get better when everybody supplies for the common good. So you've got to be thinking, you know, beyond just yourself alone. Your needs, your desires and all that, your aspirations, that's wonderful, right? But we leave kingdom first. Okay, we live kingdom first. We live kingdom first. Okay, we are kingdom-minded people. So that means that you know, when you're kingdom-minded, you don't you don't um, carelessly abandon your role in service to God because you you are busy with work. So even if you have to, it will come from a place of pain. That ah, I wish I could. I wish I could do right now, but right now it's just I can't just do it right now. You know, it's painful, but I cannot just you know I'm busy and just you know just flip out about it. No. So if, even even you cannot give your best. In terms of service, resources, it will come with some form of uh, discomfort that I can't do this yet. Okay? So it's not what you just say, flip out like, ah, I'm busy. No, no, no. It should not be. All right? Go to verse 12. Verse 12. 
just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Yeah. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Look at that. So as a body, okay, we all have the role we play. Doesn't matter your level of giftedness, you know, your, your exposure, whatever it is. If it belongs to the body, every part of the body has the part is playing, has the role is played. So we are all needed. So you can't say because I'm, I'm not an eye, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a prophet, I'm not a... No, there's something that you uniquely bring to the table. There is something about you just being who you are that makes you worthy, that, that makes you needed. Okay, so, you know, for example, right now, there are places, places that I cannot go and talk because, you know, don't, don't hear me, I'm a pastor, I'm already, I'm pastor zoned. But there are places where, because of your, 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 your current level of, you know, maturity and growth, that even though it looks like you're not, you're, you look like you're a baby, and all that, but there are places where only a baby, a baby will be heard. Because usually, there's a way babies can talk to babies. <laughs> okay, so you are needed. You are needed, okay? There are people that only you reasonably, you know, can, can understand and relate to. So, for example, I've been saved, I've been saved for 16 years. So, there are, things, there are things that I can probably not relate to as much anymore. Okay, so, like compared to you that you got saved last month, there are people that, you know, that, where they are right now in their, you know, being unsaved, you know how to reach them that I can't reach. So, when you now say, when you now say, because I'm, I'm, I'm not a pastor, I'm not needed, you are depriving the body of, of, of an essential part of its functions. Okay? So, you know, so people say things like, um, you know, I need to grow up to serve God. No, no, no. You need to start serving God right now. You are needed now, not tomorrow. There are people and there are things you can do right now to get the job done that, you know, that I can probably not reach. So, for example, a pastor was sharing a story about how, you know, a popular Nigerian musician got saved and she was telling the pastor, you know, that, ah, you know, I need to, I want to make my hair more, more normal so that, you know, so that people can see me as a Christian and all that kind of stuff. I also told her, no, leave your hair the way it is, okay? There are people only you can reach with your hair the way it is, okay? When they see you, it looks like, you know, you like, you're like them. You can easily blend into them, you know. Not that one, one person goes with, with his stock thing, shirt and kinetic, it's on nobody else. But the people that you can reach just the way you look. So, you know, the way you are right now, there's a job for you to do that I cannot do. Someone says, but I'm struggling in my faith. You know, I, I, I struggle with doubt. Yes, there are people that, you know, can relate to where you are right now. 
that, that when you say, yes, you know, I have my struggles, but deep down in my heart, I know God is good. Someone has to say, yes, it's true. No, there are people that only you can relate to just because of where you are right now. So you might, you might look like you're in a bad place in your faith. Like in, in, in your faith, you're in a bad place. Looks like you don't, you don't get it. You, you, you know, like you have your issues and all that. But there are people that only you, that this only you can do right now. You know what's the scenario? You know, where you're right now, you can help us, the church, understand where you are. So in, in so doing, we as a church can understand how people like you are feeling, what they're going through. And we can better serve those people. So there is something you can do at any level you are. All your struggles can be used by God to get something done as long as you're not shining out or running away. So, for example, see, God could have gone to Peter's church and said, Peter, you know, lay hands on somebody to ascend the Gentile church. But God went after Paul. Paul that was busy killing Christians. So, as bad as Paul's case was, you know, God went to fish him out for service. So, you cannot be as bad as Paul. Your case cannot be as bad as Paul. You are usable by God. In fact, he wants you right now, where you are, how you are, with all your issues. People run away from God when they're in crisis. They feel they cannot save, but shut up. That, maybe not shut up, you get my point. Okay, but God wants to use you right there. He wants to use you right now. Your struggle can connect to somebody else. You've had a rough month, a rough year, and all that. But you're still standing. That's, you know, that's enough for somebody else to hear. Okay, that, okay, because this person is standing because he has God, even though it's hard, maybe I have hope to stand also. This is my point. Whatever you are in your faith journey, God wants to use you. What doesn't help is when you detach from the body because you're in a crisis or you're in a face. Alright? Don't tell God to wait till you are ready. No. No. See, in fact, many times, it's by taking that act of faith, that stepping out to do what God needs to needs you do, that actually puts you back on your path of growth. Okay, you don't have to wait till you are fine. Sometimes it's, it's just, it's just being, being obedient to God. Being faithful faithful service that puts you back on that journey to get your work with God right. In my experience, right, I've never gotten better by running away. I've never gotten better in any issue I had with God by running back. That's always my jumping right back in that, that, that I need to get healed and get strong again. Yes, I've had my struggles growing up, you know, growing up in the faith, but my, I've always learned that I'm always better in active service than when I'm, when, when, I'm, when I'm hiding back. I'm always better in active service of God and the kingdom. So there's never a good time to drop tools. There's never a good time to take a break from God's service. There's never a good time to watch while others do the work. The work you don't do is that someone someone has to take on the body and do the work, or the, the job is left undone. But there's, don't, you cannot tell me that your being, you know, your being ineffective is not affecting the entire body. No, it shows. There's something you do. There's a way you do it that's important to God and the church. Some people have gotten to church because at the, at the gate of the church, this usher that smells well, this usher that has a beautiful smell, it might be also one who's just going to come to church and get saved because the usher welcomed with a beautiful smell. So, there's something that you have that you can supply. Yes, you need to grow. We all need to grow. We all, even the biggest pastors make mistakes, so we all need to grow. But God is not telling you to wait till then. He needs you working now. As you work, you get better and you grow. Okay? God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. 
So Paul told the Corinthian church that when, 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 when Christ called you, when God said, what were you? We are not noble, we are not anything. Okay? That God chose the basin of the world to confound the wise. Okay, God chose the little of this world to make, to make the big things look insignificant. So God needs to use it right now. So for example, God could have called Aaron. Aaron was, you know, a more eloquent speaker, a more composed person, right? But God called Moses. This is the weird fact. God could have healed Moses for calling him, right? But God called him without healing him. To mean that I need you right now with all your flaws, your weaknesses, your inefficiencies, your talents. I need you right now. Because working with God is a faith journey. See, if God fixes fix all, all your problems before he starts using you, it's no longer faith, it's sight. Okay? But God calls you in all your mess, in, in all your issues, and says, let's walk this journey together. And guess what? Many, many times, God won't just take all, all the issues away once. He only does that, usually. He takes you on a growth path. So you get better and better, and better, and better. That's the way God works. That is faith. So, God is not, not, not for you to, to, to be free from all your issues. No. He needs you working with you right, right now. Glory to God. You know, God could have taken Israelites straight to Canaan land. No. But God is a God of process. Okay? Glory to God. So, we have to just get involved. Don't wait till you, are, till you feel you can. Okay? Because it is not about you. It's about you yielding to the grace of God, you know, to help you through. So we need everyone firing, firing you know, with all cylinders, pulling, you know, his or her weight. Okay? So the church is not a celeb show where the pastor is everything. Alright? No, we all bring our supplies. It's not, it's not just a pastor show that the pastor is all in all. pastor will solve all the problems. He will preach he will pray, prophesy, you know, even a PS speaker, you know, fix sound, <laughs> do media, you know, because he's pastor. It's not like God called. That's how it works. Okay? The pastor's job is to shepherd the resources. The people, they give the talent, not to do everything. Okay? So, but my job as pastor is to shepherd, to, to lead, to harness our gifts, our resources, our time, our talents, not to do everything. Okay? First Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. First Corinthians 14, 26. First Corinthians 14, 26. First Corinthians 14, 26. 14, 26. First Corinthians 14, 26. First Corinthians 14, 26. First Corinthians 14, 26. Quickly. What then shall we say? Brothers and sisters, that you come together, that when you come together, each of you has a, has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. See that? So it's when you come together. Someone can come with a hymn, with a psalm, and that person to revelation. It says, do everything for the for, for edification of the body. Now, see, God could have just given one person everything. That when pastor, pastor just gets to the altar, Pastor has gift of singing, he sings, gives us, gives us prophecy, gives us revelation, does everything. But, but that is not how God wants the church to run. He wants everyone to come with his or our own supply. Church is not a one-man show. God would have all of us do our part. It's why, it's, it's why usually, see, see the way this spiritual gifts work is that in the, if everybody has the gift of spirit. We all have this gift. We all have everything. We all have it in us. We have seen. We have hearing. We have, we have everything. But the way it works is this, that Many times, find out that you are not super in everything. Not because you can't be, but because the more you are a human being. And the way we are is that our, 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 our focus, 
our, our, our attention determines what we, what we are effective in. What we practice or where we, or kind of environment we grew in determines, you know, the, the, the things that we are effective in or giving to. So the way it works is this. Then the local church, depending on your role in church, there are gifts that are more at work in you. So, for example, why he says we have the pastors, the prophets, you know, there's a way being a pastor and doing a lot can, in a way, dull your prophetic senses, in a way. I don't want to go into but there's a way it kind of, because you are doing, talking, dealing with more counseling, more, more, more administration, you are more, it's in a way, right? It's why there's also, also that part of being of the, the prophet's role. Okay? This is, this, this is my point that, you know, one person is not everything. God will not have it so. Any conkinger, our day. <laughs> so, so God would have every, you know, every of the gifts, not just spiritual gifts, um, physical talents, you know, resources. And when we put together, we are formidable. That's the idea. That when you bring, when you bring your supply, you bring yours, I bring mine, your resources, your time, your, 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 your secular skill, your wisdom, you know, my, my spiritual gifts. When we come together, you know, we become formidable. So it means that we are less formidable by that, that, by that which you don't supply. We are less formidable by that limit, that, that measure that you refuse to supply. So, no matter how tiny you think you are or your role is, your being unavailable, uncommitted, has its effect on the church. Someone says, I'm so busy. I agree with you. But can you just find 30 minutes in the week to do something for God through the church? 30 minutes. How bad can it be? We eat. We do Twitter. You know, can we be as little as just going through our media and with your sense of, of media exposure telling us this thing is not so good. Can we make this better? Can we do so and so and so and so? You've added, you've added your skill. Okay? But my, my, my point is that you don't, you, it's really hard to find any, any real excuse for you to be unavailable or ineffective. We miss you. The church needs everyone working well. Now, even beyond the local church, right? The church as a whole, church, church of God as, as a pastor church needs every believer firing, serving, giving your best, doing something, carrying your own part of the body. Little, you know, not, not just sitting down and watching and lounging. Money you do not give. Help you do not help. Serve you do not serve. Just come church on Sunday morning and go back home. That's not how to be a team, a team member, okay? Add your part. Do your part. Carry your weight. You know, being a, being a child of God, it's not, it's not, you're not called just ball, 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 ball. Christ said, you want my disciple, pick up your cross. So there's a part of carrying the body, carrying the cross and following the master. All right? So it's not about, it's not, it's not about you know, when it's convenient, how it's convenient, you know, when, when I have big money, you know, when I have, when I have one million, I give thank you. <laughs> it's not about how convenient. No, no, no. It's sometimes, it's about carrying a cross, carrying a body, doing the difficult but needed task. Okay, the church was built on the on the on people's blood. People died for the church. Okay, they could have just said, "Ah, me, what I took for you." No, but we don't build the church on convenience. It's sacrificial. We do what needs to be done. So the pastor is simply a shepherd that leads the local church. Okay, but the church must have everybody serving, serving to get the job done. Okay, so the church must have a leadership structure. Acts six one seven. Acts six one to seven. Acts 6, 1 to 7. Acts 6, 1 to 7.
Acts 6, 1-7. In those days, when the number of disciples w- was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained, about, complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. The proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to, to Judaism. They presented this man to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and the, and the large number of priests became obedient to the faith. You see that? So, they solved what seemed to be maybe a small problem, because the problem here was not about prayer or about teaching, about spirit move. The problem there was, was a wisdom problem or a leadership problem. A, a leadership gap was there. So, it's funny that they solved a problem that looked seemingly unspiritual and the church expanded rapidly. You wonder, so are you telling me that what was holding their growth was because they were not sharing food well? And because there was issue in how they shared food? Was that what held them back? It looks like that. Because they solved that problem, they put up a structure of leadership such that, you know, um, um, the apostles could focus on teaching, on, on ministry of prayer and teaching, hearing God's the people, right? And they had other leaders, spirit field, that were handling things like, you know, food sharing. It is, for example, like care, like media, like um, logistics, stuff like that, okay? So because other people mounted, you know, carried their part of the body, the apostles were more effective, and the church as a whole was able to do much more, and the church grew rapidly. So it means that sometimes we think that if we pray more, we will grow. Is it, is it possible that, that, that we have prayed enough and we're just, we're, just, we're just not acting out wisely enough or there's a gap in the leadership structure? Is it possible that, that, that people being in church, not working, not putting their part, is also showing and holding back growth? Is it possible that when we begin to harness the church resources well, in terms of people and manpower, you know, that we can have a proper, proper leadership structure where the pastor is not, is not doing too much, where everyone is kind to our own wits and will actually get growth to happen faster? Very important. Okay? So, the, the church leadership, especially at the topmost level, must, must not be, you know, be made to carry too much burden. There must be people like the seven other spirit-filled people, like Stephen, you know, that carry the burden of the church such that the apostles, you know, at the top level, we are allowed to do more of, 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 of the teaching and the preaching. Okay? So, in churches, local churches, you must, as much as possible, let your pastor be unburdened. You must make sure he doesn't have to worry about sound working or generator or light or fuel or those kind of, of, of you know. No, it's not as though those jobs are small. No, they're not small because if there's no light, we cannot teach, okay? If the sound is bad, issues. So those jobs are not, are not, are not, are not insignificant. But really, they are very, very important jobs that should be done not by the pastor. That is that, that people should say, Pastor, don't ever near sound. It will work. Don't ever, Jen, don't even think about it. We'll solve it. That's where it should be. Okay? Allow, you know, allow your, your leaders, especially at the top level, you know, do the basics of 
hearing from God and teaching. So what, what, what we do is to, to, to feel the, the pulse of the church. The church's needs. Take it to God in prayer. And God gives a word or a teaching to meet those needs. He must not be distracted by the little, not little, by the other things like sound, like, you know, like media, like, like camera, like, you know, it should not be. It should, it should let them to focus on the major core of the job because the major core feeds the entire thing. Exodus 18. Exodus 18. Exodus 18. So I want to see us much more. Saying things like, Pastor, don't ever bother about this. It's not be a problem. Take it off your hands. It helps. Exodus 18. Exodus 18. You know, it will be again to be callous and unfair for you to see what you can do. Being undone or being poorly done and you do nothing about it. It will be irresponsible to see a need you can meet and you don't do anything about it. You say you are busy. Well, we are all busy. <laughs> no, 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 no. Everybody has work to do. Okay? So you've got to pull your weight. Now, don't just push more because pastor said pull. You now just want tiny thing to do. Be fair. Be reasonable. Be, have a clear act before God that you are doing the best you can. All right. Now, Jethro, the priest of Midian and father-in-law of Moses, head of everything God had done for Moses and for his people Israel, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. After Moses had sent away his wife, Zipporah, his father-in-law Jethro received her and her two sons. One son was named Geshem, for Moses said, I have become a foreigner. Don't worry about that. Go to, go to verse 9. Nine. Nine. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, Praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hands of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh, and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel ignorantly. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge, while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, Because people came to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the passes and inform them of God's decree and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. You and this people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions, and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trust money when who ate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands. Please pause. Can you see between this and Paul's, Paul's writing to the epistles in, to Timothy? Select some kind of men. So there's no pause quoting Exodus many times. Okay? Please go on. Hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, You'll be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. That's fine. 
All right. So we see that. So Moses, in his good naturedness and his love for people, and that's where the problem is, okay? Because, you know, they say, Yoruba will say, Yoruba will say, There's a way a strong person or parent can spoil the children. Because you just, when you see a problem, you fix it. You don't have time to say someone come. Say a problem, you fix it. Because, you know, you are up and doing. You don't have time to waste and all that. In a way, it can make other people become lazy and ineffective. So he says, he says Moses, you know, this is your good nature. Eh? You want to do everything. He says, you will just, you will wear yourself out and wear them out also. You will wound them and wound yourself, okay? You will burn out. So he says, Moses, eh, this is my advice to you. I may God be with you. He says, you know, have other leaders. Have a structure of leaders. Share the job. Let them bring to you the difficult ones. But this is your own job. Take their issues to God. Right? Okay, and get from God the answers. You know, then you, you know, in teaching, teach them is the Christian instructions. Okay, show them how they have to live. So when you when you feel their needs, their pulse, you know, you take it up to God in prayer as a pastor. You hear from God what to do, and have a prophecy or a sermon, and you teach them back. Okay, then if you have difficult issues, they bring it to you. Otherwise, they solve it. Not that pastor, there's no fuel. Are you okay? You know, <laughs> you know, those should not be that. They should not. <laughs> Or someone, someone, someone did not, someone did not, I talked to Kenny Cockney, she did not greet me. Uh, okay. You get, so there are things that should not, that should not um, come to my table. Okay? There are other spirit-filled leaders. Okay? So we can share the job. You understand? So I was telling, t- telling Moses, they should solve the small issues and bring the big ones to you. But your primary job is to this. Listen to take their disputes before God as their rep to God. And come back to them with, with decrees and instructions, with teaching. Alright? So, we must share the work. Don't allow your pastor do too much. I wish I about, about Joel Osteen. And that Joel Osteen, all he does during the week is prepare for Sunday sermon, for five minute sermon. What he does. That even the jokes, even, even the sermon's jokes, I'm not sure about this. Even the sermon's jokes are prepared by his team. They prepare the jokes for him. Just comes for five minutes teaching and it's not for the week. Now, that might be, maybe, <laughs> but take off the burden, many of it. Sir, how can I make your job easier? What do, what do we need to do? What do you need me to do? Are there enemies we can meet right now? All right? You know, be like, like um, Benjamin. Is it Benjamin? That was called Ch- Child of Consolation. That was called Man of Consolation. Yeah, it was so, no? Barnabas. Yeah, thank you. So, yeah, Barnabas, not Benjamin. Wise. Okay, he's, he's a good guy actually. <laughs> All right. So it was called. He was so good to the apostles. They gave him nickname, Child of Consolation. That was how much comfort he brought to them. So you have to be one that brings to your leaders, to your pastors, to your pastor comfort that we understand that by that by your input to the ministry, we feel comfort. We feel like oh, he's taking off. She's taking off from us. A everybody. Okay. In your service, in your commitment, in your submission, your business, and your giving. All right? Exodus 17. Exodus 17. They, from 8, 8 to 13. Okay? The pastor needs, you know, we are, we are as effective as people allow us to be. You know, we are as effective as the church, the people we lead, allow us to be. When we do too much, we become less and less effective. But when you, are, when you help the church by doing your part, solving other problems, we are more effective in doing the parts we need to do. Alright, go on. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. 
Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men to go and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Or went to the top of the hill. As soon as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses and grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till, till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites' army with the sword. Yeah, that's fine. Look at that. So, you know, the Amalekites attacked, attacked Israelites, and um, um, Aaron, Moses went up to the mount, top of the mountain with, with Aaron and Or, while Joshua went to engage in the physical battle. Right. So, in the, you know, as long as Moses had his hands lifted up, the staff lifted up, Israel was winning. Right? But when, you know, he was tired and his, his hands be, you know, began to fall, they began to lose. So, Aaron and Or prepared a seat for Moses and then held up his both hands. Okay? And that was how they won the battle. This is pretty, pretty significant. That, you know, the hand up can be seen as, you know, the spiritual tools of warfare. Prayer, teaching, hearing, those kind of stuff. Right? So, when, when, um, you, when those that serve in the church, the leaders around the pastor, the, the leaders of the church, all carry their own parts of the body, you know, the leader, the pastor, you know, will be better able to lift up his staff and the people will be winning. It will be effective spiritual so that we can keep getting results. But when there's fatigue and his hands begin to drop, it is unhealthy for the church and its people. Help to strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. So when the shepherd is in distress, it will show in its, out, in, in, in its output to the church and that will be unhealthy. So those, you know, workers, members, um, disciples, associates, you must ensure that pastor, his hands are not dropping. How? Share the body. Share the load. Pull your weight. Stop serving as convenient. Very important. Okay? Pick up something and do it well. Alright? We must understand that the culture of honor in spiritual leadership is not something of the, of the, of the old alone. It is very much more present in the new. That we don't see, you know, serving, serving God Serving our pastors, submitting to them as something of old school that we don't overcorrect because you know you know they be to correct a lot of stuff that happened happened before. For example, we say in, in, when you're in university, sorry, that uh, people are calling their pastors papa, mama, uh, washing their clothes and all that. Can they call? Can they call? Can they call? Now, in a bit to solve an extreme, we should not create a new extreme issue. Don't overcorrect. Yes, there may be excesses, right? But there is still the foundation of honor, respect in church leadership. Philemon 1. Philemon 1. Philemon 1. Go to 
verse 9, verse 8. Verse 8. Please, louder, yeah. Therefore, Thank you. although in Christ I could be bold, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. Yet, I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Please pause. It's fine. I'll, I'll narrate. So, there's this particular um, Onesimus that, that used to work for Philemon that escaped. You know how their laws were in those days that people could, people could pay with service, with, in quote, slavery for bills paid. So let's say, for example, just an example. Let's say, for example, that Onesimus or his father or something owed Philemon 12 million, and he said, okay, your son, or Anonymous said, saying, I will sell you for 12 months to pay back my debts. And after months two, Anonymous runs away. So, there was a debt owed. Alright? So, um, on that process, Anonymous got saved and met Paul. So, Paul, you know, needed, was trying to solve, you know, to solve the rift between Onesimus between and Philemon. And Paul said, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, but yet I pray to appeal to you on the list of love. So he's saying that in Christ, as a spiritual leader, Paul is speaking, that I can order you to do it. He's saying I have a right in Christ to issue a decree. But I'm appealing, this is my point, that even in New Covenant also, there's spiritual leadership. Okay? The, the, the office to call people to order. Yes, we might use pleas sometimes, we might use appeals once in a while, right, and all that, but you must understand that the office, okay, has authority. I can issue orders. Can issue decrees that if, if you don't want, you leave. That you don't stay there, okay, and be flouting instructions. That you don't stay there and be, re- and be you know, rebelling. Okay, yes, you know, my, my sins in your life when, you know, when some things are difficult to do, that's understandable, right? But this is my point here, that the culture of honor and respect is still heavy in the church, even under grace. So, when we have those things like, um, those, those laws we make, like call up times 8 o'clock for workers, prayer is by 9 p.m. on Saturdays, okay, um, it is showing a lack of, of, of spiritual maturity and intelligence when we just take those rules, you know, those, those instructions and, and just do them anyhow we like. So we say, call up times 8 o'clock and you come to church 8.30. 9. Even 9.30, even 9 30, 10 30. You know, it is showing a lack of understanding, a lack of honor, gross disrespect for the office and for the church as a whole. Alright? This thing should not be Growing up, you know, even, even without being taught, it, for me to just to just honor and common sense. That even even when in church, we are sitting down, you know, and choir is singing, and pastor pastor gets up to sing with the choir. That my sense just tells me to look get up too, or we are praying and pastor kneels down. I kneel down too because for me it's just the feeling of honor, honor. So I'm not saying I'm not saying to go that far, but I'm saying you must be thinking in your sense. What, what I'm doing right now is it honorable, you know. I feel it is wrong that we, you know, you don't mind getting to church and get to church. Like, pastor comes to a meeting, he gets there before you. And you come, in, you come in and just casually walk in as if it's nothing. It's a culture of this honor that should not be in the church. So we say, call, call time is 8 o'clock. Be there before me. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just respect. 
not, not because I am special. No, respect the office. Respect the grace on the office. Oh no. Oh no. Stop being, stop being too casual about the, about, about, about the office, about, the, about respect, about, about honor. Be honorable. Serve with respect, with honor, with, with, with excellence. If you're running late, just send a message. Um, I'm running late. Let people know. Not just, just coming in time, just coming any time. Just trolling. Chairman of the world, you know, chief, chief member of the family. <laughs> be honorable, be respectful. 8 a.m. is 8 a.m. 9 is 9. It's honor. It's respect. All right? For the body and for the leadership. Okay? There's something about, about, about church, on, church being full early. It, just, it gives the feeling of, oh, this is a great day. It gives this, this general good vibe. Not, not when people come in at 9, 9.30 after worship. It just feels, gives you a feeling of, it's, it's somehow, you know, a lot of people here come in. I'm not sure if I say it's online, okay? <laughs> but you get my point here, it's terrible. You can't be known for late coming. I'm enjoying it. Eight o'clock is eight o'clock. Nine is nine. It's just honor. You don't, you don't do that. You don't, you don't do that at work. Some of us are so hard working at work and so lazy at church. It is so dishonorable. It shows how much you rate God and His church. You are hard working at work. When it comes to things of God, you do it anyhow. It, it should not be. It doesn't look good on you. Okay? You know, it doesn't look, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't show that you take God seriously or you take His church seriously. These things are showing the current state of your heart. And you need to fix up. All right? Very important. So, honor is still a core value of the church. So, honor is in obedience, respect, submission, giving, obey. These rules are not to discomfort you, that they are not to make your life unbearable. They are to help us be to better, you know, be, better, you know, better edify one another, better edify one another as a church. When we all obey these things, this will make, make, make the church much more effective, much more, um, much more um, um, efficient in building up itself, in helping your growth and helping other people's growth. Okay? It's important. Glory to God. So we must be, we must be disciplined. Obey. Respect. Submit. Come early to church. Be at prayer meetings. It's just common sense. It's not deep. All right? Be at prayer meetings. It's for your good. It's for the entire good of the entire body too. When you're not there, it shows. When you're there, it shows. When you're there, there's this thing of, hey, everybody's around. It feels good. When you're not there, we miss you. Without even though we miss you, it just doesn't feel like it. All right? It's important. You are important. So honor. Obey instructions. It's, it's honorable when, when you do those, you know, your transcripts. You say you do it. Do it. Submit it. Come for prayer meetings. Come early to the church. Okay? Carry your part of the body. Serve. Fix a problem. Meet a need. Alright? So, church pastors, are, we're not saying we are, we are perfect, right? Being, being a leader doesn't mean we are perfect. It's just, you know, that God has put grace. It's just a grace calling. So it's a grace gift. It's not because I'm fantastic, right? Maybe I am. You say so, right? But I'm, I'm here, you know, as one graced, called, and anointed. Okay? Paul will say, I, Paul, an apostle by the will of God, right? So I, I, I told Lyony also by the will of God, I told Lyony a pastor, teacher, not by the will of man, by the will of God. So it's a grace calling. So respect that grace. So 
so the grace can be more effective in your life. Very important. Okay? Hebrews 13, 17 to 18. 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 Have confidence in your leaders yeah. and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Look at that, please, Paul. says, have confidence in your leaders. Submit to them as those that will give account. Okay, so we will give accounts over your soul. How we treated you, how we trained you. So we owe you the truth. Even when the truth is uncomfortable, we should be able to to scold you, you know, to, to tell you the truth, even when it might hurt you. You should not work, you should not work on air. You know, you know, some people are, some people are so, they are so small. Like, wait, you, want to, you, you correct them with fear. You have to work, you have to work, work around them with, on eggshells so that you don't offend them. No, you should, you should be able to receive correction, admonition, because we will render account before God about you. So it means that your issues affect me. Okay? I know I'll run the account over you, so I'm bothered about you. So I'm carrying your body. So, you know, um, be fair on me. Be fair on the church, okay? Respect. Submit. Make, make it easier to do. Because know or don't know, I'm carrying your body. Okay, so make the body easier to carry because we'll render accounts over you. Verse 18. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. Look at that. So he says, pray for us. Because we might be imperfect, right? But we desire to serve with a clear conscience. Hold us up in prayer. Wish us well. Give. Serve well. Make the job a lot easier to do. Okay? Take some bodies off the church. Off your leadership. Okay? Wish us well. Knowing that we might make mistakes, right? We might even offend you once in a while, right? But notice that we have a clear conscience for God. Now, I'm sorry for this church at CGC. Our leaders here, you know, we are not ego-driven people. We serve with a clear conscience. So, even though we might offend you, right? But notice that we do things with a clear conscience. With a clear conscience. So, um, hold us up. Pray for us. Submit. Make the job easier. Okay? Make it easier. Play your part. Give. Don't see your giving to church or to your pastor as you helping him. See it as a worker is worthy of his wages. Okay? See that see it as a worthy, you know, a worker, whatever. So you don't, don't, don't just do it as a shark back. No, 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 no. Uh, see it as duty. Be duty bound to give to God, to give to church, to give to church leadership. We need your supplies. Okay? In terms of your commitment, your work, your resources also. All right? So we need all this, okay? So as I said earlier, we're not perfect, right? But we are grace. We are called and privileged. We desire to do right. Help us. Make it easier. Put us up in prayer. Do your part in giving, in service, in availability. Alright? Good. Let us rise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just, just pray to God in, in a moment and commit. Commit to do things right. To serve him with zeal. Commit to do right. To serve with zeal. To serve with honor. To pull your weight. To play your part. To understand. You know, help just pray that, you know, commit to God that you understand right now that it makes all of us to be effective. To serve properly. To do the work of ministry. Let's talk to God in a moment. That you understand better right now. That you receive grace to do this right. You know, um, in any way you are lacking or slacking, um, ask for help this, this, this evening. Repent of it. Repent of being slothful. Repent of where you did a little where you could have done much. You know, in terms of your service to God. Okay, ask for help this evening. Help. Commit that, you know, that commit, commit, commit to this. And receive the help of God to get this done. Kedi Lord, this evening we receive your strength. We repent in any of anywhere we have been slothful, you know, or too casual. We repent of taking your job with, we, we, we just taking it with, with, with flimsiness or liberty. Lord, we commit to service to do this right in the name of Jesus. We do this right. In the name of Jesus, we serve well. We play our part. We share the body. In the name of Jesus, we serve with excellence, with dignity, with honor. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Is anyone watching right now? You want to, you want to get born again so that your child of, of your life has been. And today, you want to be born again. Okay? Just say after me. Now, to be born again means you, know, you, you believe that. Come, before you say after me. Believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins because you know which wages of sin is death. So he died for your sins, right? He didn't only die, he was buried, okay? And he rose up again to give you a brand new life. So in his death, you know, your old life of sin died, was buried, okay? And when he rose up, you also rose up to a brand new life. So in being born again, you died to your old nature of sin and you wake up to, your, to a new righteous nature, you know? You, live, you wake up to a brand new life. And in this life, you live in submission to his lordship. So if you want to be born again, you are tired of your old sinful ways. You want a new way of life. So just pray after me. Lord Jesus, I come to you today a sinner. I believe you died for my sins. You know, and in dying, I died with you to my sins, right? You know, so that you know, I died to my old way of life. I, you know, you were buried. I was buried with you. And you rose up again and you gave me, you know, a brand new life. Today, I, re- I welcome and receive this brand new life you offer. I declare you as my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. You are said that sincerely, you are born again. So, but we want to help you to understand what you have just done, okay? So send us a mail. Info at thisgreenchurch.org. Info at thisgreenchurch.org. Send us a mail so that we can get in touch with you and help you understand what you have done and help you walk this journey. Hallelujah. Hey. Hope you were blessed by the sermon. Feel free to visit our website www.thisgreenchurch.org for more info. God bless you.